Ready? Three, two, one. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Chewy Altamirano, and this is Five Questions and a Beer, the podcast where each week I sit down with a different guest, we crack open a cold one, and then I ask them five questions in hopes that by the end of the episode, I get to know them a little bit more. This week, I have the absolute pleasure of sitting with my dear friend, Eugene. Eugene, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing... Chewy, sorry. It's okay. It's okay. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for sitting with me today. I wouldn't miss this for the world. In fact, I was supposed to do a work thing today, and I was like, uh, never mind. I have a podcast to record. Best best guest award. Immediately. <laughs> Get him there. I, have you ever recorded a podcast or something similar to this before? You know, in high school, I actually did movies for all of my projects. I have three movies, and they started out as short, so I got a 10-minute clip. And by the time I was a junior in high school, I did a, I think it was, wound up being a 60-minute movie. Oh, wow. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, I was always the director, but made a cameo, much like our, our beloved Peter Jackson. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And um, many other directors that I can't name off the top of my head. Well, there's Quentin only Tarantino. one that matters, right? Oh, I guess Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. Um, what's his name? Who does the birds? Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Thank you. Ian Hitchcock, <laughs> he makes a cameo in almost every one of his movies. Usually, very discreetly. It's usually just like his like silhouette or something. Mm. But still, you know. Yeah, you know, I'm not. I've, I've never been one to research the directors of a movie, but I will deep dive an IMDb IMDb page mm-hmm. in the middle of a show. Oh yeah, one thousand percent. As long as you don't get like spoilers, but you got to know who everyone is. Yeah, 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 or what else they were in. Like yeah. I do the like the seven degrees of. Kevin Bacon, but I don't care if it's Kevin Bacon. Like, I just want to know who else they worked with and where I might know them from. Yeah, I feel that. Great reference, too. Big 80s reference. I'm actually, uh, I think, like two degrees from Kevin Bacon. Are you? Yeah. What is it? Um, so I used to work at this art gallery, and um, this lady that used to come in all the time owned the castle. That's what it was referred to. She was at the first telephone number in the county I grew up in, so her last her number was like, Five four seven whatever zero 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 one. But so they needed to use her house to record a movie, and Kevin Bacon was in it. Or it was a TV show. It was like some cop show that he was in a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's my two degrees. Or maybe that's one degree. I don't know. I think it's two. Two, I would say. Legend of the town, though, Kevin Bacon. Oh yeah. Most small towns, honestly. Anyway. As the name of the podcast suggests, each week we drink a different beer. And this week we are drinking. Lawson's Finest Liquids Mad River Maple. Um, Lawson's Finest Liquids is located in Waitsfield, Vermont. It was founded in 2008. And as per the website, Mad River Maple is our robust, rich maple ale, which is loaded with 100% pure Vermont maple syrup. It delivers a smooth and palate-pleasing mouthfeel with a slightly sweet finish. That sounds right up my alley i thought it would be a good beer to try you know fall's not over yet although it feels like winter yeah i don't know when it's going to be released so i'm getting, you're getting into the weather on the east coast a little bit but it's very fucking cold outside northeast specifically northeast yes who knows maybe you're in hawaii it's never cold yeah exactly unless you're on top of a volcano um but shall we crack it Let's and then do, do it. a toast all three of us for those also listening um ian buffado my producer is also cracking a beer all right that was a cheers good sound. Here's to those who wish us well, and the rest can go to hell. Cheers. Cheers. How do you like that? Yeah, I'm definitely not going to get heartburn from this one. Oh, yeah. Also, this is um, a American 
amber ale and 8% ABV alcohol by volume. You know, I never know what any of that means. Like, I know there are different types of beer, like there are different types of wine. But when someone says, what's your favorite type of beer? I'm like, I could not tell you what it's called, but I could tell you what it tastes like and what it feels like. Okay. Okay. You're a little. I'm. I'm. I know maybe a little bit more than you, but I also don't know much. But that's another one of my goals by doing the show is I maybe learn a little bit more and more about beers. Yeah, I love that. I don't know much about amber ales. I probably should have prepared a little bit more about <laughs> that now that it's coming up. But you know, next there's next time. You know, that's why we're doing this. I, it's I also you know you're not hopefully asking me questions about beers. So. No, 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 no. There's no beer questions. Just enjoy the beer. The beer is just for enjoying. The beer is just for enjoying. Um, how do you like this beer? Do you like it? So far, it's so good. You know, there's this beer that um, Dogfish Head used to make, and I'm so sad they don't make it anymore. It's called Midas Touch, and it was a recipe that they, like, discovered from ancient Greece. Ooh. And it was, like, a mead ale. Nice. So it was, like, honey and smooth, but it was, like, 9%. Oh, nice. So you'd have, like, you get a four-pack of them, and, like, all of a sudden you'd have two, and you'd be like, oh, shit, I'm not driving anywhere. Yeah. They made this other one, uh, Palo Santo beer, that was incredible. It was like 14% alcohol, but you could not taste it. And you'd have like one, and all of a sudden you'd stand up and you'd be like, what just happened? Yeah. It's like a Mack truck hitting you. It's those, it was, it was it dark? Was it like a dark? You know, I never poured it out of the bottle. Okay. But I imagine so. Yeah. Those are those good wintertime beers. Oh, anytime. You go, well, I mean, I say good wintertime because then you go, you have two, you're outside, and then it's like, you know, you're ready for a polar bear plunge. Yeah, why not? I'll go down that double black diamond. Amen. Never skied before, but can't be that dangerous. Yeah, fair. <laughs> fair. All right. Let's get into it. As the show also, as the name also suggests, this is the portion of the show where I ask you five questions. Now, these questions aren't necessarily meant to be the most steep questions in the world, but I do love a good thought-provoking, honest, fun question. And so I'm hoping to learn a little bit more about you after I ask these five questions. Are you ready? That. Yeah, I'm ready to go. All right, question number one. Eugene, what is something you do every day that makes you feel accomplished? Is it important to you? And if so, why? You know, there are a lot of things that I do throughout my day that I never really reflect on as being important. Um, and there are things that I don't do every day, but when I notice it happening, all of a sudden I'm like, wow, this is something I'm proud of. This is something that's important to me. And uh, it actually has to do with uh, the fact that I'm a teacher. I never, I always joked around about becoming a teacher um, because I wanted summers off and I wanted to have like really good vacation time. Huge which, perk. Yeah, it is. Honestly, uh, it is the best perk. Uh, no matter what anyone says, like that is the biggest perk of teaching. And but what, we, what comes with that is actually teaching. And there are days, right, where you're tried. And you get to the end of the day and you're like, I don't know if I can come back tomorrow. And then you leave, you go home. Hopefully you have a separation, right? I don't have my work email notifications turned on. Um, but you wake up in the morning and you're like, all right, I'm ready to try this again. And so what is really what's become really important to me in my work is that I have people that I'm very close with professionally that we talk through our lessons before we go through them and we inspire each other almost every day. You know, some days it's not inspiring each other. Some days it's, 
you can do this. We've been doing this. We could get through today. We could get through today. We could get through tomorrow. Um, and it's really building the, that professional relationship to create lessons and experiences for our students so they grow to love our subject matter. And it's not just, you know, math teachers talking to math teachers. It's math teachers talking to science teachers and, you know, talking to social studies and English teachers and, and really trying to learn about these, you know, essentially tiny humans that we're trying to turn into uh, adults, you know, responsible adults that care about things, care about their, the world around them. And while I try every day, you know, that doesn't happen every day. You never, like, you're never sure what's happening inside a student's brain, but that one day you'll see it click. You'll see like a lesson click, or you'll see like a moral lesson click. Not that I'm standing, you know, trying to teach morals in my class, but you know, if a student says something inappropriate, I'm gonna call them out on it privately. I'm gonna have a conversation with them and try to get them to see, you know, why we don't say certain things to people or why we have to be, you know, cognizant of the people around us. And it's whenever that moment happens that I'm like, wow, this is important. This is what I gotta try to do every day. And, you know, even during the summer, I, you know, me and my teacher colleagues, we work together to try to figure out how are we going to make this year better for our students? How are we going to inspire them to be responsible, um, you know, in school, outside of school, in life after school, no matter what they decide to do. It's just that, that dedication to wanting to see other people care as much as I care. That's a great answer. And it's a wonderful answer. I love the idea of not knowing what you're going to walk into every single day. So you and your brothers at war coming together every morning and just kind of like centering each other, getting each other prepped for that to then just like, you know, get through the day that you have no idea what you're going to get through. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you get to the end of the day and you're like, oh, my God, I didn't get through anything that I wanted to or I couldn't get up in touch with my students because of something that's going on outside in their personal lives. Um, but, you know, you never stop. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Make, uh, please make that a, a lesson for anybody listening to this right now. Check in with those you work with, which is another reason why I don't, I'm not a big fan of working alone because there is something in being able to work with a group of people that do what you do and can understand your struggles and, not every struggle, but like your day to day struggles and kind of like working through that like together. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and that's something we definitely missed from work from home. Mm, I can imagine. Um, I know a lot of people still have that benefit, and it is a benefit to be able to work from home for a lot of reasons. You know, you save on gas, you, and by saving on gas, you protect the environment a little bit more. Um, but you miss those human connections, those professional human connections that continue to inspire you to do your job well, regardless of what your job is. Now, that doesn't mean I don't ever want to work from home ever again. I would love to have like a remote Friday every week um, or an asynchronous day and meet with students who just need extra help or whatever it is. But, you know, maybe we'll cross that bridge in 20 years. And by then I'll be sick and tired of the idea of not being in a classroom. Yeah, I feel that. Put it on the ballot, folks. Put it on the ballot. <laughs> Virtual Fridays for all of us. I mean, I work from almost states, but you know what I mean. I for mean, those who need it. Honestly, I really feel like our whole society and culture is going towards that four-day work week. Yeah. Um, I think it, with the capabilities that we currently have, the 40-hour work week, five days a week is kind of antiquated. 
but it's always fun to uh, see the outdated opinion articles that the Wall Street Journal yeah. tweets out by, you know, some conservative talking head that it's always like, oh, you don't really want to work four days a week. Ask the Europeans. But then if I think if you honestly ask the Europeans, they'd be like, no, it's great. I get yeah. so much done on my third day off. Absolutely. I agree. That was wonderful. So thank you. Thank you. All right. Question number two. Are you ready, Eugene? I'm going to take another sip of this. I hope so. Mad River Maple. All right, Eugene. I don't know your exact age, and I'm not asking, but I do know that we're close enough in age to where this question seemed very important to me. What is the first series on insert streaming service here because they're not paying us that you ever binged? And where were you in life at the time? Can I give you two answers? Sure. Yeah. Uh, The honest answer is the first series I ever binged was either Schitt's Creek or um, Twin Peaks. Okay. Interesting. And I don't know. I, I honestly think Schitt's Creek was first and it was when season one came out because I had gotten the flu. So I was home in bed. And when I say binged, I didn't really binge it because I was like, I had the flu. I was like terribly sick. So I was awake and not awake. And all I remember is the Enchilada episode. And now like if I need comfort, I go and find the Enchilada episode mm-hmm. or if I'm making enchiladas, um, which hasn't happened as often as I would like in the recent months. Honestly, same. Um, yeah, I don't know. We found this great uh, Rojo recipe and it took me like 15 hours to make it one day. So we froze a bunch and then I was like, all right, that was too much work. I got to take a break for a bit. <laughs> um, and then Twin Peaks was, um, you know, I I had had to have my appendix removed. So for those of you that have had appendix surgery or any abdominal surgery, you're kind of like in bed or like sitting or like not doing much for a long period of time and Twin Peaks is like 22 episodes but they're all like hour and a half long episodes so like I filled my you know my week that way um, but so that is what I think was honestly my um, binge show but uh, I think the better answer for when I do binge is um, I think it was the 100 and oh, okay. I kind of love telling the story because I think mental health is really important to talk about and so me and, and my one of my best friends from college, who actually the first day of college, I had loudly declared that I was never going to be friends with her, um, had therapy on the same days. I had just gotten back from a PhD program that I, I, in retrospect, kind of enjoyed the PhD program, but was deeply, deeply depressed. And um, if I'm not depressed, I actually don't have the capability to binge watch a show. I can watch like one episode, maybe two episodes, and then I need like a palate cleanser. And by palate cleanser, I mean, I watch a different show or more realistically, I like clean the entire apartment for six hours. And then by the time it's time to watch another episode, I'm like, no, I need something different. And I go back to Gilmore Girls. Um, But so I had just gotten home from therapy and, you know, I went to my, uh, my friend's apartment and or no that's not what happened what happened was i went to see my friend julia and i don't know if i named her before but that's her name and uh she was sitting on the couch and i it was tuesday i think and i go did you just get home from therapy and she goes yeah you know all the lights were off she's watching the 100 and she and she goes are you about to go to therapy and i go yeah again we knew we had the same schedule and um 
I said, yeah, I'll be back in like two hours. She goes, great, I'm ordering Chinese food. So do you want your standard order? And I go, yeah, of course. And at the time I wasn't a uh, vegetarian. So it was, you know, boneless spare ribs, lo mein, fried rice, egg rolls, like all the standard in my house, sick. You know, when you're sick, that's where you got Chinese food. Um, and we weren't physically sick, but, you know, mentally we were not feeling our best. And so um, I left, you know, went to therapy, came back and, Julia's sitting on the couch. She's got her bowl of Chinese. Or she didn't open the Chinese food yet. She wanted to wait until I got home. But she was like seven or eight episodes into the 100 at that point. And so I sat down and she knew I needed to know what happened in the first seven episodes or eight episodes. But um, she was like, I can't explain it to you right now. Too much is going on. But let's eat Chinese food. So we ate Chinese food and it was like maybe three o'clock in the afternoon. And... Uh, this was after college. So she had a flexible work schedule and I wasn't working because I had just quit a program that I was in. And again, I was depressed. I was looking for what I wanted to do in life, which is how I eventually wound up in teaching. And um, we just sat there and watched the 100 for like, I think it was like four hours. And at that point, I was able to pick up enough on, on what happened. And so uh, our other friend came in. And she saw us sitting on the couch. We had our bowls of Chinese food. Most of the $150 order was gone. And she looks at us and she goes, oh, you guys both had therapy today, didn't you? <laughs> and it's like, in retrospect, like that interaction was funny. But like in the moment, we were like, yeah, we did. We feel better now, but we didn't feel good this morning. Yeah. Um, and so every Tuesday kind of became the 100 therapy and like there was i think the show was over at that point so like we really caught up within like four weeks yeah um but so that's what i like to think is my binge show okay okay i think those are all really great answers and really it's a very nice uh story of friendship which i appreciate i have a very similar story not necessarily binging but a friend of mine one of my best friends who's also miserable in a phd program at the time we would FaceTime each other to press and watch Celebrity Big Brother UK. Like It aired every single day, so we would FaceTime almost every single day to watch the new episode. And it was when I just moved to Kingston. Well, I probably wouldn't want to block, maybe block out that where we're located just in case. But it was when I just moved here, and, and that was a big thing. Those are, those are also shows I've never seen. I've never seen any of those shows that you mentioned. Uh, but I, I do know that they're very all. good. Yeah. I know one of my coworkers loves The 100. Everyone loves The Shit's Creek, I feel like. I'm yeah. probably not going to go back and watch it, but who knows? I would highly recommend it. I'm also going to apologize now for all of the burping. You oh, no, it's a, totally okay. Um, I um I was going to mention something in the beginning that I also will probably be burping a bunch, too. I'm a very gassy guy. Yeah. I Well, I want to touch base quickly on Twin Peaks, I will say. Um, it is a great show. I try to get everyone to watch it. It's like a cult classic. I know they just came out with a couple of more um, uh, seasons. I, th I don't know what, what channel it's on one of the premium channels but uh there are so many cameos in the original season like for anyone out there that's seen riverdale which is another show i did binge eventually in my depression phase um and grew to love <laughs> despite the fact that now i kind of don't love it um the betty's mom is in twin peaks and okay. she is like an iconic role in that okay totes yeah i also i mean i've seen the first season of riverdale but that's about it it, it goes off the rails. I think season two is really good, or maybe it's season three. It's when they do, like, the whole D&D &D storyline. But, um, yeah, then it gets crazy. All right. Well, put it on the docket, folks. Put it on the ballot. Everyone, Twin Peaks for all. All right. Thank you, Eugene.
Thank you. Question number three, are you ready? I, I think so. Eugene, fuck, Mary kill, focaccia bread, sourdough bread, and pita bread. The easiest one is always knowing who to kill, I think. I, I think it's always the easiest to know who you're going to marry. I mean, it was the first one. Marry is always the easiest for me. Oh, interesting. No, I always know who I hate first. Okay. And I don't I don't hate any of these breads. I think they're all great in their own way. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, bread is bread. But for those of you that don't know, because none of you really know me, uh, I do make bread. Not professionally, as a hobby. Uh, and all types of bread. I bake. I, and I'm going to do a quick aside. Um, I hated baking when I was, you know in you know when i was a teenager and i think it's because i used to bake a lot with my grandmother and she passed away when i was eight or nine or ten or, you know early young um, and my mom always tried to make me bake things for her like help out with stuff and i never wanted to help out because it wasn't the same um, but so now once i moved up here and really during the pandemic i really got into baking I kind of got into sourdough in like season three of the pandemic when everyone else got into it in season one. Yeah, um, But so I'm definitely killing pita bread. Okay. I've made pita bread a number of times and I'll continue to make pita bread um, on days where I want Greek or Middle Eastern food. But pita is temperamental. It's sometimes you need to be very attentive. And like this is all in the same process, right? It's over the course of like three hours. Sometimes you have to be very attentive. And sometimes you just have to leave it alone for like an hour and a half. And it's not frustrating, but it's not something you can just like do and walk away from. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just takes up so much time and so much effort. Okay. So that one's, I'm killing it. It's okay. off the table. Uh, I'm going to fuck focaccia. Okay. And we're going to get about to get into some analogies here or alliteration or metaphors, whatever it is. Um, I feel like when you use that term, right? It's like quick and easy. Yeah. Or it's just like, oh, a night out, whatever you're with. Yeah, it's like you you highly enjoy it, but, you know, are you going to spend your entire life with it? And then you wake up the next morning and you're like, why did I do that? Yeah. Um, so focaccia is really easy to make and you can change it into kind of whatever you want. You can make it look great. It could taste, you know, it always tastes great. But um, you always wake up in the morning. You're like, I'm not really full. It's airy. It's very light and airy. And no matter how much you eat, you can eat the whole thing. And you're like, I woke up starving. Um, (laughs) It's not fulfilling, right? It's not emotionally fulfilling. Uh, There's my metaphor, right? Um, Yeah, yeah. okay. But sourdough, you have to take care of it. You have to feed it. You have to let it grow. Eventually, you have to cut off the parts that aren't um, benefiting you. Mm -hmm. Like some relationships, right? You have that conversation. You're like this isn't working for me. We got to figure out a way to change it because I, I want to maintain this relationship with you. I, I, I love you, but this is not great. Mm-hmm. Um, sourdough is not as, you know, emotionally draining as that conversation. Um, but every time you make it, unless it turn like, unless you made a mistake, it comes out great. Mm-hmm. Okay. And again, it, it, it's like, you're putting in that work, you're putting in the effort. Yes. So why am I going to kill it? Yeah. Or why am I just going to sleep with it one night and then say, never mind, don't call me? That's fair. Like, that's something you put it right on. Yeah. Okay. I, I You answered the question exactly how I wanted you to answer the question. Because I do know that you are a baker, even if you are an amateur baker. But you are still a baker, you know. I don't know if you use the word amateur. I'm sorry. I, didn't mean I, I think amateur. I could give... Uh...
Uh, maybe we should blot that one out. They're running for their money. Um, <laughs> okay. I insist that they burn all of their bread, but they think it's the Maillard reaction, quote unquote. Yeah. Who's who's Maillard? <laughs> and come out of the kitchen. That's what I say. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you answered it like a baker, which I appreciate. I think like instead of you just answering based off of like eating the bread, not only did you answer based off eating the breads, but like also like the process of making them. You're like. I'm killing you because I hate making you. I'm sleeping with you because it's like okay to make you, but I love making sourdough and I'm going to marry sourdough for that reason, yeah. which I think is great. And I don't agree, but I think it's great, you know. Well, I don't know if you know, I'm also a baker, Eugene. Can I ask you what your order would be? Thank you so much for asking. I thought you never would. It's not, I mean, we're not at that point of the episode, but you know, I wouldn't mind answering. Um, I'd probably kill, I would also kill pita. I, I, but I love making pita bread, but I would kill it just because I don't love. It, I don't love eating it as much as I love eating focaccia and sourdough bread. Can I ask Actually, what? no, I take that back. I'm killing sourdough bread. I'm killing sourdough bread. I'm killing sourdough bread. I'm uh, fucking pita and I'm marrying focaccia. I, that's like a curveball. I did yeah. not see coming. I, um, I've been baking pre-pandemic. Oh, I've yeah. been baking bread pre-pandemic. And I hate, I hate, even pre-pandemic, I hated making sourdough bread because I don't want to foster this relationship. I don't want to feed you every single week. I don't want to do all that work. I just want to be able to like make bread, start bread in the morning or the night before and then eat it the next day and then not have to worry about it. Because I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to make another bread next week. And with sourdough bread, I feel you have to constantly feed it and I don't want to continue doing that work. Um, and I think it's very fidgety in my experience with it. And so I just don't necessarily like sourdough bread in that way um i have a couple of follow-up questions if that's okay no yeah please um what do you make your pita on like what's your a hot surface oh you do skillet do in skillet the oven pita. uh no oh on stone. on oh, okay on skillet i use a, a pizza stone oh okay which i've often burned my hands but it's fine um now uh i had a question about sourdough i, I think I, I, it doesn't matter I don't remember what it was anymore. Liz, different shows for different folks, yeah. and that's what makes us good friends. I think it was more, I think I was going to offer you some starter, if you ever want to. Yeah. You know, I don't. And eat. you're not the first person to give me the starter, and you won't be the last person for me to kill their starter. I'll tell you, I don't feed mine every week. Really? I forget about it for weeks at a time. Oh, and then, it's like, still good? I'll be, like, standing in the copy room at work talking to someone, and they'll be like, oh, how's the sourdough going? And I'll be like, oh, I haven't fed it in, like, a month and a half. And they'll be like, oh, it's dead. And I'll get home, I'll feed it, or maybe I'll forget, and I'll feed it a week later. And it always comes back. Wow, I love that. Your starter loves you, and that's why. It's that really, maybe it's that relationship. I it's a destined relationship. I haven't formed a relationship with starter like that yet. Yeah. It's so I, maybe that's my big issue. But you know, it's like plants. It's like you take care of your plants, regardless of whether you remember to water them or not. You do take care of them, yeah. and so they're going to fight for you. Yeah, I do have to say I do have a whole schedule written out. Like when I know I'm going to start sourdough, like if I need it for like Friday night. I have like in my notes on Wednesday morning, do this on Wednesday afternoon after work, do this Thursday, do this Thursday night, do this. And then like once it gets to like Friday evening, I have like a 15 or 20 step process that I have to follow in order to have bread for dinner. It's tough. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that. Thank you. And I love that question. Speaking of bread, question number four, Eugene, you're home alone. You're not at, you don't have work obviously because you're home. It's right. the afternoon. You say to yourself, "Oh my god, I'm so I'm so hungry." Walk me through you getting into the kitchen and building the perfect sandwich for Eugene. So we're talking packed fridge, everything that you may want for your own perfect sandwich. So you don't you're not like working on uh, you know, any sort of regulations of sorts. 
you know, walk me through what your perfect sandwich would be. You know, this is so tough because I, I again, have two answers. Okay. <laughs> um, one of them is my current life as a vegetarian slash okay. always toying with the idea of going vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sandwich is a tofu cutlet. Okay. With um, mustard. I love that mustard-mayo combo. Mayo on anything, best. really. Yeah. Um, tomato. And like red onion. Okay. On focaccia, of all things. Okay. Uh, it is a common sandwich in this area. It was inspired by a, a chef that I know, but it's it's killer. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you're not vegetarian, I'm telling you, freeze the tofu, let it thaw out, and then press it, and it, it's just like chicken. Uh, for those of you that want something to feel like chicken. I do love a good frozen tofu situation. Yeah, I, you know, I think a lot of people hate tofu, and it's because they don't know how to make tofu yet. I agree, yeah. Or they haven't found a way that they love it. I was one of those people, and then I ate tofu that is really good, and I like it. I've even started using tofu in baking, like silken tofu. Mm. Um, yeah, it's very versatile. But then if I go back to my non-vegetarian lifestyle, uh, the perfect sandwich, and I, I really do believe that this is ter- the perfect sandwich, and no one is going to agree with me. That's fine. This is my sandwich. Uh, a, a roll hard roll a lot of turkey like sliced turkey Mm -hmm. thinly sliced coleslaw okay extra mayo okay that's it simple yeah it's like what four ingredients but yeah very simple and you know you got to make sure there's enough salt like that's a given like you always need salt in something but that really hits all the flavor profiles i'm not mad at either of those sandwiches honestly i take both of them they sound very very good I sandwich is my favorite meal of all time, so um, I, that's why I do like to ask these people this, like this question to people a lot, and I like both of those sandwiches. Mine would be pasta, but oh, another cool. versatile thing. It is very versatile, you're right. All right, well, last question. I know. I feel like where did the time go? I, I know. know. Do you feel the same way? I could keep talking forever. <laughs> all right. Well, this is the fifth and final question that you're going to get tonight. All right. Um, as you mentioned earlier, you're a teacher. Um, you didn't specify a grade. We won't have to specify a grade, but you did specify subject, so we also don't have to specify that. It's up to you. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, but you are a teacher. Um, and so as a teacher, what are trends that the kids are doing or that are into nowadays that you don't understand, can't really wrap your head around, or just like think are su- is super whack as an adult teacher that you are? There are like three trends. Okay. One of them is actually a trend for everybody. Okay. <laughs> Except for me. Come for um, me. Yeah, I'm ready. Go on. TikTok. On. Okay. It is uh, TikTok and like the Instagram reels. I'll be like mid-lesson and I'll look up or like I'll turn around from writing on the board and like six out of 30 kids will be like staring at their phone just like swiping for the next video. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, that means they also have their headphones in, but I can't see it because it's like hidden under your hat or whatever. But I can always catch them, and then it's a great, quick, you know, email home. But, uh, yeah, I don't understand the whole TikTok trend. I like a deep dive. Like, and I know, like, now some TikTok influencers are getting into that deep dive, and they're, like, stitching videos together. But um, that's one, like, I I can't fall into that hole because I'll never get out of it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is digital methamphetamines yeah that that's like the social commentary answer and then there's like this other thing that i've noticed that students are doing is they are being increasingly uh verbally aggressive towards each other is the best way to say it 
and in joking tones and i do honestly think that they are joking um but they haven't realized yet that the things that they are saying to one another are real problems that people face um and i think they'll get there and i'm trying to tell them like here teach them you know more so like all right we don't say those things to each other because even if you don't think it hurts them it could be hurting them mm-hmm. um, and then the last one and this is one that like i don't know if this is just my school or if this is every school in america facing this um the i teach teenagers they like to walk up to each other and just grab each other's butts oh okay but like it's a joke to them and i'm like this isn't a joke that's sexual harassment interesting okay (laughs) and uh yeah i I don't know that that's one that like i don't get i haven't heard that one um but then again i'm not around many children ever really that are that are very at least that like not children children you know what i mean yeah um that's that's crazy people just grabbing butts yeah and it's not like random people's butts because like then i think they definitely would be yeah but it's like friends butts it's like the new hello yeah or like uh or no are there like the, reactions the like shots yeah there's i mean that when i was in middle school that was a big thing yeah it's like that i remember one time when i was in middle school the head security guard had to like they let a lot of the kids out for recess and the head security guard had to like leave all the boys together and be like you guys need to stop hitting each other's nuts because it's not good for you i well i think they realize that that hurt yeah physically hurt like but the butt grabbing doesn't necessarily and i was like and now the person who's getting their ass grabbed is it they're like oh my god i can't believe you just grabbed my ass or is it like oh what's up bud how are you you know is it always like like a shock a combination of both okay it's always a shock like they never see it coming yeah it's like a a shark attack um but then they're always like, oh, but, oh, my friend did it. If they're if it's not their friend, that's when you get a fight. And then that's when you get the yeah. verbal aggression. No, that's physical aggression. Love it. <laughs> love it. Well, I don't love it. You know what I mean. Anyway, um, well, that was our five questions. Thank you so much, Eugene. Thank you. I loved it. How do you feel? Good. You feel good? I, you know, I feel like this is a short conversation. Um, disclaimer, I ended the five questions. So me asking Eugene how he feels is not part of the five questions. Yeah, and all those like intermingled listening. questions don't count. All the answer, no, yeah. they don't count because we're having a conversation. Yeah, no, you know, they, it's categories natural. exactly. Yeah. Come on, anyway. But I just asked you five questions, so I think it's only fair that you turn it around and you can ask me a question if you have one prepared. Uh, I, you know, I, I think I have one, <laughs> and I'm I'm probably gonna fumble my way through it. Okay, it might wind up being two questions it's as okay. all of my answers have been. It's okay, you know. It's okay. It's cool. Yeah. Um, so I know you somewhat personally, so I know you're an artist. Mm-hmm. All of these listeners might not. Um, but I also know that you keep a nine to five or maybe it's an eight to five or maybe it's a nine to six. Who knows? Honestly. Um, or maybe the hours don't really exist because we're all, you know, working from home. Yeah. How do you find a way to separate yourself from your artistic work and passion and like this podcast is artistic work right there's yeah, social absolutely. commentary is, is art so how do you find a way to separate the work you have to do in order to you know pay rent mm-hmm. uh from the work you really want to do and, and i assume make a living at or maybe you don't want to make a living doing art and maybe you like keeping a separation and having both and how is that how do those relationships play into each other? It's not as lighthearted as your question, but... <laughs> no, I think it's a great question, though. Um, 
and I appreciate you asking me. Um, it it does it does happen quite naturally, unfortunately, because um, you know, well, the separation comes quite naturally because if I'm working nine to five, I I'm, I can't paint. You know what I mean? Like I just there's no way that I'm doing my office job and painting at the same time. There's no way that I'm doing my office job and recording podcasts at the same time. That being said, ideas are constantly flowing. That is natural. That's the natural part that, like, there's no separation there. Like, if I come up with an idea while I'm at work, I'll write it down. Can I execute it right away? No. Um, but I can write it down. Um, it's very hard. It's very emotionally taxing. Um, my time and schedule is already very tough for work. So let alone, like, bringing in the things that I would like to do art-wise, I don't get to do. You know, I haven't been inside my studio in, like, the past, like, three weeks because I've just been so busy. And that sucks. And on bad days that feels really bad, you know, it can really kind of do a toll on, like, my self-esteem and how I feel. But what keeps me going is knowing that these are my passions and I'd be doing it regardless. And there's no real stopping, you know. I would love to make a living being an artist one day. I would love to make a living from a podcast one day. Um, and the only way to do that is by continuing and doing it, you know. So even it's been, even though it's been three weeks... Um, it's not like I'm never going to pick up a paintbrush again. And it's also not that I'm never going to love what I do and love to show what I do either. And those are things that kind of like, you know, every time I do get to show my art, which I'm also thankful to be able to show my art almost every single year, just like in a public manner, it kind of recharges me to kind of keep going. And, you know, there's and there's always a keep going. And that's what I would say to anybody who's listening to this who maybe feel differently. You always have to have a keep going thing because the moment you say that you can't anymore, then you're not going to. And there's times where you're going to feel like you can't anymore. But you have to just keep going because that's the only way you're going to get to the goal that you want. Yeah, I love that response. I yeah. mean, I I don't know if I mentioned it, you know, during this talk or in a previous conversation we've had. But uh, I used to work in an, at an art gallery, and it was one of my favorite jobs because the conversations you get with an artist are so much different than the conversations you get from, you know, Peter Bateman, finance bro. Um, and you get a- my nine to five. <laughs> I, just, I talk to Peter all the time. He's a fucking horse. <laughs> Uh, I actually don't know anyone named Peter. But, uh, oh, Patrick Bateman. That's Patrick Bateman. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know him either, but I don't want to know him. Yeah. But you know, the insights you get from an artist is, are always so deep and meaningful, mm -hmm. and that's why I always love to connect and have that yeah. sort of conversation. Absolutely. I actually never knew that you worked at a gallery, and I would love to talk more about that with you. Favorite job like. ever. Yeah, yeah please. Definitely. I never knew that about you. To finish the beer. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for that question. That was actually a very, I felt like that was a nice emotional relief, emotional release for me. Like I like needed to get that out like on a, on a busy finance day that I've been working on all day. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. Well, that's our episode. Eugene, thank you so much for sitting with me. And thank you, Joey. Um, I would like to thank our unofficial sponsor, Beer Universe. I would like to thank my incredible producer, Ian Buffato, who is sitting right next to us also enjoying a beer right now. Um... Five Questions and a Beer is a Orange Manatee production produced by Ian Buffato and Chewy El Tamarano and hosted by Chewy El Tamarano. And I hope to, well, I'm going to catch up with you, both of you right after this, but tune in again for another episode. I'd appreciate it. Thank you guys very much. Cuts. <clears throat>